to your feet. Let's respond to that testimony. Put your hands together and thank you, Holy Ghost. Come on, give the Lord a standing hand clap. <laughs> I am healed. I am encouraged. I am protected. I am covered. <laughs> Nothing impossible with God. Thank you, Jesus. Take 30 seconds. Raise your hands and praise Him, everybody. Come on, praise Him by faith right now. God, even though some of us may not have yet uh, gotten exactly what we think we need from this service, we are on our way. Come on, praise Him. We may not have feel what we want to feel yet, but we don't live by feelings alone, so we're going to praise You by faith. Praise You for our healing. Praise You for our marriage. Praise You for our mind. Praise You for the money. Praise You for the kids. Praise You for the job. Praise You for salvation. Praise You for this day. Nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Can you give the choir and, uh, and, and uh, Pastor Chad and the musicians, uh, God bless you and bless each other. Go ahead and bless each other. Yes. Sister Voice, I saw you get something in your shoes beside your feet. Woo, you, you got one of them whoop glories coming, sister. Thank God for all of you. You can descend, choir. You remain standing, church. Take your scriptures, please. And let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 1. For today's lesson, just glad to be alive and in the presence of God. Amen. I had a wonderful week in the, in the Pacific Northwest this week, the region of uh, our country of Washington State, Idaho, and Oregon. It was my privilege to be the morning Bible teacher for the camp meeting there. And I've never been out to that part of the country in that part of the region. Wow. Yeah. Flew over the Rockies and uh, saw Mount Rainier, I think is the right pronunciation of that. Oh, man, snow-capped, beautiful. The air was even... Uh, in, whenever you live in a metro area, you know, they got these little meter things. Today is moderate. Today is mild. Today will kill you. Go stay inside. Oh, it was crisp and nice. And, and then I, I, I looked down here and Pastor J.C. and Kimberly and, and David and some of the group from the church, Pastor J.C. was the evening speaker for the South Georgia camp meeting for the youth camp this week. And I saw their temperature down there, 92, 95, 96. I'm thanking God, this hot as God, about, about 80-something, you know. Nights dropped down about 50. But I was in such... A wonderful glow of the presence of God. Probably in one, two, three, four, seven different services. Didn't preach them all, just the mornings. And it's just a wonderful atmosphere to be refreshed. And so I, on top of the world kind of thing, you know. And, and uh, my wife says to me on Friday when we got back together and went out to dinner a little bit. And after I got in, I said, well, you know what you're going to do Sunday morning? And I said, well, I got three or four ideas. And, but I, I want to be... It's summer. I want to be calm. I want to be soothing. I want to be... And I picked me out a little passage out of the book of Lamentations. In the middle of all that Lamentations, there's a lot of praise going on. In the midst of all the lamenting, there's some praises going on. I just finished reading the book of Jeremiah, and, and uh, that was going on. And, uh, but that was following every night, every night after you had gone to bed, and I would gotten home from church, 10.30, be about 1.30 this time. So I'd get the after the news Recording, You know, I mean, the news already shown earlier. They would show it on CNN again because it would be... And I was falling all week. Uh, the state of New York and the legislature and the Senate. And I tell you that there are places and pivotal points in the life of a nation and church... There are, uh, wow, moments that the preacher, the church, the family, the Christian cannot just let come and go. When the state of New York on late, almost midnight, Friday night, legalized gay marriage, I knew I wasn't going to come here with fluff. I had a mandate from the Holy Ghost. Okay? We, the church, have been silent on too many things. And we've lost a lot of things. Forty-four or more million babies killed in the womb of their mothers. And the church had been silent. Prayers taken out of our school. Bible taken out of our school. Ten commandments off of our courthouse. And the cross, display of the cross in very public areas that signified our heritage and our godliness. And I, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there are places and times in your pivotal life and living and mine and this nation where we who are blood-bought 
And our commander and chief is Jesus Christ. Nobody else died for us but Jesus Christ. There comes a place and time where it has nothing to do with political correctness. It has nothing to do with grandstanding. It has nothing to do with exploiting a decision, but has everything to do with the souls of our sons and our daughters, our husband and our wives. But we stand up. And so the Holy Spirit told me it's time to have the talk. And this morning I'm going to talk to you. Straight talk about homosexuality. Doors are locked. Can't leave. Romans 1, 21. You there, everybody there? 121. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Those who knew better exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen? For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. I got a lot of things going on in my head. And before you pray for me, just stand a moment more. I'm here to tell you, I have no desire to grandstand elicit a response from anybody or just pump my ego I preached in the first service and I'm preaching in the second service and the butterflies in my stomach are still there the sense of inner uh, turmoil the turmoil is not about whether this is the word of God the turmoil is we are in a nation who's so bent on political correctness and inclusiveness until many pastors and pulpits will never address sin, much less more specifically homosexuality. But if this is the last sermon I get to preach and I get to go to glory right after this, which I hope not, I want to be here to aggravate you some more, I want to hear him say, come on in, son. You didn't just deal with the other stuff. You dealt with everything. Point your hands in my direction. I need the help of the Lord. And we need the help of the Lord. Because we're going to have different kind of emotions going on here. But nothing bad or evil. Come on, pray for me. Let's let pray above a whisper. Let's, let's cast the dilapokuripa shata. I cast you out, devil. God, I need fresh anointing. I need fresh oil. I need fresh revelation. Thank you for my fellow Christians and believers. Thank you for those who may not yet be a believer, but they're here today because they're, they're here to know about the Lord. God, please deliver me from exploiting this sermon and exploiting this congregation. Do not let me do anything in my flesh that would try to gratify my own ego. I pray that you hide me behind the cross so that I would represent you, God. God, these are critical days. We need the word of the Lord in this day. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word is eternal. And Father, I pray for every hearer that we'll not just be a hearer, but we will be a doer of the word. Transform us. Amen? And amen it is. Thank you for being seated. And thank you for keeping your Bibles open. The Associated Press is a news agency. Yesterday morning, I got up to this headline from the Associated Press. New York becomes sixth and largest state to legalize gay marriage. And here are some excerpts, if you will, from that article to help me establish the foundation for where the Holy Spirit has led me. 
It's Dateline, Albany, New York. Of course, the capital city of the state of New York. And the writer says, after days of contentious negotiations, last-minute reversals by two Republican senators, New York became the sixth and largest state in the United States to legalize gay marriage, breathing life into the national gay rights movement that had stalled over a nearly identical bill here two years ago. Pending any court challenges, legal gay marriages can begin in New York by late July after Governor Andrew Cuomo signed his bill into law just before midnight Friday. Ross Levi, who is the executive director of the Empire State Pride Agenda, made these remarks regarding this decision. That's certainly going to have a ripple effect across the nation, he said. He went on to say, it's truly a historic night for love, our families, and democracy won. The governor of of, of New York responded. He stayed up to midnight so he could sign the bill. It's amazing what we won't stay up to midnight for and what we will. The governor says, we made a powerful statement. This state is at its finest when it is a beacon of social justice. Beacon of social justice. What Governor Cuomo called social justice, God called disobedience, sin, and abomination. And that's why Paul said in our text, verse 22 of chapter 1, professing to be wise, they became fools. And he describes what they've done after. He says in verse 25, if you're still with me, say amen. Look look in your Bible. I won't give you a Bible this morning. Let, Let me say this to you. This is about us today. Okay? Every one of us that has been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins washed, have a responsibility to the Word of God. Not just the pastor, the staff, and the elders. Every one of us have a responsibility to what we know. And who we serve. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That happened again this Friday night last in the state of New York. The question for some of us, because we are facing other things in our lives and we may have come to church for a different kind of word, might be, why preach on homosexuality? I have several responses for that, and let me just give you that so you can understand the leading of the Lord. We preach on homosexuality because the lifestyle of homosexuality affects the very fabric of the family as defined in the Word of God. The fabric of the family as defined in the Word of God is what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19. For this cause a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. In both the Old and New Testament, the family is defined as man, woman, together, vice versa, and children. Let me hasten to tell you that I bring this word to you this morning because the Word of God is not silent on homosexuality, it's not ambiguous. I bring you this word because some government leaders, both state and nationally, are not reluctant to practice and promote homosexuality. And so if 
government leaders and other personalities like television and radio talk show personalities, athletes and actors are not hesitant to flaunt their homosexuality and are willing to come out of the closet. Why should we as Christians and I as a pastor and a teacher of the word be reluctant to come out with the truth that will set us free? I bring you this word for another reason. Many major businesses and companies across this nation, and especially some here in the Atlanta area, many of them promote, sponsor, and endorse gay pride to the tune of hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. I'm going to endorse the word of God because Jesus did so with his blood. I bring you this word this morning because the Holy Spirit has reminded me that there are denominations in America who continue to have those within their ranks who lobby for the acceptance of a gay lifestyle and who insist that avowed practicing unrepentant homosexuals should be ordained to gospel ministry. And so, even those who had once come into light, the light of the knowledge of God's word, salvation empowered by the saving grace of God, called to the ministry and even got involved in the clergy of the church because they were unable to give up that lifestyle or it kept coming back and they could not resist, have walked in it now and changed the truth of God's word into a lie, making it look like you could be a preacher, a clergy person and still be practicing this sin. You can't be a clergy, a preacher or any kind of person practicing any kind of sin any kind of sin. I'm just focusing on this one here. Okay? So, oh my, help me, Jesus. Our education system in America is modifying its curriculum to advocate the acceptance of homosexuality. There are curriculums imposed on our children. Books like My Two Mommies that they are forced to read. And how can we dare stand by knowing what God says about sin, about marriage, about family, and what God will bless and be silent. We all will stand before God one day. I'm not, understand me, I'm standing before Him right now. And I want you to understand that when we get to heaven, if you get to heaven, you are in for good. That's it. But every one of us are going to be judged after we get to heaven and we're going to be rewarded on what we did with what we knew. We are going to be, we are going to be rewarded in heaven different degrees of awards and leadership and, 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 and being in the government of the kingdom of God and a new world based on whether we took the truth and sat on it and we were happy to just to be a pew or a chair warmer or whether or not we stood up, whether it was unpopular and politically incorrect or whether it divided family or communities. We stood up not because we want to be divisive or mad or controversial. We stood up because we knew that God blesses obedience and righteousness. We're going to be judged. We're going to be judged in this life. We know the whole reality of the AIDS virus and how it's dominated our attention for years. We also know that although the heterosexual population is not immune from the disease of AIDS, we know there's a mountain death toll among those in the homosexual community. So I come to you this morning to tell you we can't walk around with our And stop when danger comes like the ostrich does and bury our head in the sand hoping danger doesn't come. How many know just because you close your eyes to something doesn't mean it goes away? Huh? Wouldn't it be, I mean, just because you're driving down the road, you're going home and you see, and you're in your lane and you're traveling in your lane, but down the road a little piece you see a car veering off in your lane and it's coming straight at you. How many just because you close your eyes and say, oh, I hope it doesn't happen, it might be enough to save you. You gotta, you gotta look, you gotta veer, you gotta take precaution, you gotta act on what you see and know. And so I bring you this message this morning because As Christians, we get our moral guidelines from the Word of God and not from any actions of any state legislature or any national government, including New York or America. I bring you this word this morning because the Holy Ghost reminded me that as the culture goes, so goes the church. 
America has changed in the last generation. The church used to give the marching orders to the world. Help me out here, somebody. The church used to lead the moral, the moral fabric of this nation. The church used to take the stand. But what has happened? The church now in our day and time to practice political correctness have been willing to allow people and beliefs and other kinds of, of groups in the congregation and brought the culture of the world in the church and has corrupted the message of the church. And I bring this message to you this morning and I, I will say to you beginning with these thoughts that Jesus is our model for acceptance of other people. So I, I want to qualify here. I get passionate. I get vocal. I get Okay? I don't know what that is. And it would look like I'm mad. It would look like I'm homophobic. It looks like I'm trying to... Uh, you know, let me tell you something. I want you to understand that, that I thoroughly know what builds a church and what may keep from building a church, according to the flesh. Okay? I thoroughly know that there are preachers in America who wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. And I'm not just trying to be out there because I want to be different. But I also thoroughly know, I also know with all my heart, that the truth of God's Word will bless a marriage, a teenager, a man, a woman. I also know that God, who gave us His Son and we're saved by His blood, will give us the capacity to resist the world and the flesh and the devil. I also know that we are on a journey to heaven and the devil will like to detour and distract us by political correctness I'm telling you there is a way that seemeth right unto man but the ways thereof are the ways of death broad is the way that leads to destruction but narrow and straight is the way that leads to everlasting life I'd rather have the praises of God and the stamp of God on South Metro Ministry and to build a mega church while I boss well hell while open, I'd rather please God. I know what builds a church. I've been doing this for 26 years. I told the Lord this won't build a church. He said, I didn't call you to build a church. I called you to obey my word. I'll take care of the church. So I'm going to get passionate. I'm going to get loud. I'm going to get soft. I'm going to get quiet. And you might get mad, but I hope you're only mad because you're righteously mad. I, I tell you, Jesus, I, this church, I've always said it, and I'll say it again. Our model for acceptance of people comes from Jesus. Red, yellow, black, white, brown. Jesus loved them all. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated. All acceptance. Jesus received everyone who came to him. And I'm going to tell you this. If you come looking for Jesus in this church... You come here this morning, you're looking for Jesus. I don't care if you got half your head shaved and the other half is green. I don't care if you got tattoos and piercings and you may not dress like your Sunday dress. You come looking for Jesus. Come on, honey. I don't care if you're in your blue jeans and you're wearing tennis shoes. You, you, you're looking for Jesus. You're welcome here. Yeah. If you're looking for Jesus. It matters, but you may have slept with somebody else last night out of wedlock, or somebody as a husband or wife, or been drunk as a skunk. And you, you may have looked at pornography, you may have cussed and sweared, done all kind of ugly stuff this week, but you, you felt the Holy Ghost wake you up and say, go to church, go find Jesus, He'll help you if you'll go. If you come here looking for Jesus, we will love you, we'll accept you, we'll bless you, we'll lead you to Christ, and we'll lock arms with you and make the journey to heaven together. Not against you. Not against you. But if you come here looking to push another agenda that's inconsistent with God's Word into this house, then we're not going to get along. It happened to Jesus. Jesus accepted everybody. But He made some demands. And He gave some teachings that offended a lot of folks. And they left Him. They left Him because Jesus will not tolerate sin. He preached, he fed them fish and chips, and they came by the thousands. Heal their sick, came by the thousands. But then he started saying things like, if you're going to be my disciples, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> he, he, he started saying things like, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword, because the kind of preaching and teaching I'm doing, they're going to separate mother 
and son, a father and daughter, a, a husband, a wife. I, I, didn't, I come because of the kind of things I'm preaching and I'm declaring. And because of your desire to be politically correct and practice sin and still get blessed, you ain't going to like it. And they started leaving him. They ate the fish and they ate the chips and they started leaving him. And he preached. He wasn't just trying to chase somebody. He, says, he said, there's a price to pay. Because if you want to get my favor, and you want to get my healing, and you want to get my eternal life, and you want to live under the spout where the glory comes out along the way, you're going to have to take up some crosses. You're going to have to deny the flesh. You're going to have to crucify the flesh. But if you will, the rewards are far greater than the sacrifice. I, I tell you that oh, homosexuality is discussed in both the Old and New Testament, and in both places it's referred to as sin. And I will build that case in just a moment. I was reading this week where one of the leaders of the homosexual movement of the Presbyterian Church, some time ago, he was giving a talk before his fellow clergy members. A meeting of the denomination and they were discussing this issue of homosexuality in the church. And this man who was in favor of homosexuality in the church disregarded the Bible's reference to homosexuality as a sin and he said to the listeners as fellow ministers he said homosexuality was so insignificant that Jesus did not even mention it in his teachings let me go further he didn't say this but I will Jesus does not mention rape incest kidnapping or wife abuse in his teachings Yet we would not argue that his silence on the issues indicated approval of the actions. I mean, there's some things that are just given because you know Jesus. Jesus affirmed his position on homosexuality by his open declaration and admission of the Old Testament and the New Testament to be the Word of God. Please, I don't have it on the screen. I wish, if I had more time, I would have probably done it. But write this reference down, Matthew 5.17. 5.17. Here's what Jesus said about the absolute authority of the Word of God. Old and New Testament. Okay? Now, now listen to me. Well, turn there. Turn there. It's just that important to me. Turn, turn to Matthew 5. Let me hear those onion skin leaves of your Bible. Turn. Matthew was it five is what I said? Before, before you read it, don't read ahead of me. Look here just a minute. Preacher, this is New Testament. We are under grace. Old Testament was law. We are under grace. Since we are under grace, there's no authority in the old for us, for today. What Bible are you reading? Let's read this one. The Word of God. 5 and 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but fulfill. Can I get a witness here? Let's read on. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Can I get a witness here? Look at verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teach them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of God. Can I get a witness? Verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, wait just a minute. All of my father's words given to Moses in the Old Testament and those who followed him, the prophets also. And all of my father's words given to me are the absolute authority on how we should live and be. Murder was forbidden in the Old Testament. Thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, I didn't come to obliterate the law and the prophets. I came to perfect it. Murder was forbidden. He said, I'm telling you, I'm going another step further. You don't have to use a knife, a gun, or a weapon to murder somebody. If you hate somebody in your heart, and you, passion, you wish they were dead, and you hope somebody could kill them, it's as, just as much as you commit murder, and you have to repent in order to see him. The, the Bible says the Old Testament, one of the ten laws, was thou shalt not commit adultery. It's sexual intimacy with somebody's husband or wife. 
other than your own, obviously. Fornication is sexual intimacy outside of marriage with, 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 with somebody else. And, and so, so the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus says, I didn't come to obliterate that. I came to tell you, I'm going to go a little even step further. I'm going to perfect it. You don't even have to do the sexual act, Jesus said. If you look on another man or another woman with lustful sexual thoughts, and you form it through in your mind and carry it out in your mind, it's as much as if you've sinned, and in order for you to get my blessing, you have to repent. That's what Jesus said. I say all that to tell you then, that not only is the verification here about God's feelings about this sin, but here in the book of Romans, we'll go back if you will to the book of Romans, you have to go forward actually, because we just came from, we just in Matthew. Here in the book of Romans, is God's very real, non-obscure revelation about this lifestyle. And this passage in the book of Romans illustrates that the practice of homosexuality spread because of the rejection of the true worship of God. Whenever we deviate in our true worship of God, we are potentially bringing judgment by our choices. And this is from the New International Version. Somebody told me today, and I didn't know that between services, so I stand corrected. This is not the version But there's a new, new international version that I understand now is very politically correct. I will not be using that. Okay? And had I known that before this, I would have just... But I was using... This does not take away from the substance of the Scripture. Romans 121. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men, birds and animals and reptiles. Idolatry. But let me move on. Therefore God gave them over in their their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the created things rather than the Creator who is God forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Read verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. Let me, let me just clarify. There are those who, in order to make the homosexual lifestyle more palatable and seemingly more justifiable, will say something like this. There's two kinds of homosexuality, they'll say. There are those who practice the very aggressive uh, multiple partners, bathhouses, all kinds of other descriptions of homosexuality as, as wild parties, and etc. That's one. And then there are others who say, and that's not what I'm into, and that's not what I want. Uh, basically, I, I want to be open in my homosexuality, and I want just one partner in marriage for the rest of my life. And that's the more mild, acceptable version, they say. As if to say that the Bible makes any distinctions on either kinds. I told you to get quiet. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I want to teach you. Okay? Whoever said that God has certain degrees of sins and certain degrees of qualifications? You, you hear people say, uh, man, I was in a tight place the other day and I knew it wasn't right, but I had to tell a lie. I tell a little white lie. A tight place. That, that, that seems to be acceptable in our culture now. I tell a little white lie. Where, where do you see in this book... But God says, thou shalt not white lie, black lie, blue, or purple lie, but you can lie green and brown. Huh? We, we made that stuff up. Yeah. A lie is a lie. Okay? To steal a post-it pad from your office or a pencil because you work here and they don't pay you enough anyhow is the same as if you hooked up a chain to the copy machine and drug it behind your truck till you got it outside and loaded it up and took it off. I'm just, I'm just preaching, okay? 
Oh, I only took a postage pad and a... a, a, a no, 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 no. I, I'm just telling you what, what brings us under the covering and the favor of God. We legitimize and excuse things and God says, no, 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 no. God says, I want to bless you. I can... Oh, Jesus. The Bible says in Leviticus, it says, If a man has sexual relations with a man as does a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. The crime for that in the Old Testament was death. I'm not perpetuating that. Far be it from me for any of us to say, All homosexuals or any kind of sinners deserve to die. Thank God for grace. But all sinners one day, if they don't give their life to Jesus Christ and are born again, will die in their sins. And the, the consequences of dying in their sins, deliberately rejecting the offer of salvation, is that of eternal damnation in hell. And, and, and I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, there are more than one, there are at least six passages in the Scripture that, that bear on homosexuality, and each of them condemn it. And I won't get to all, but, but here's a question for us. How can we overturn the Word of God and claim that both the Old and New Testament is an error, and homosexuality is actually a gift from God? How can we ever do that? I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how we can take something as beautiful as, as the pure Word of God and misinterpret it and twist it around and do improper exegesis of it and, and, and just make it conform to how we want to live and then call it things like gifts and talents. The Bible, the Bible teaches that there is a separation between the church and the world. In the world, those who commit homosexuality have the same rights as adulterers, fornicators, and other sexually immoral groups. The world sets its own moral standards. In the church, however, those who practice homosexuality should be offered the same standard of entrance into the kingdom as any other group of sinners, and that standard is of repentance and one sin submitted to the authority of God, and that's the way you get in the kingdom. Oh, I I hear this, I hear this. Love everybody. We got to love everybody. And I believe we got to love everybody. There is a distinction of loving everybody and condoning and practicing sin. Silence is not always golden, especially with the Word of God. And whoever said ignorance is bliss was probably ignorant when it comes to this word. Love everybody. And so we get that thrown at us as the church. And I'm going to tell you that if we really love everybody, if I love like Jesus loved, we are going to tell them in love. And even if they resist it, if we, the love of God demands that we don't let somebody go to hell. The love of God pushes, compels us to, to call sin, sin of any kind of sin. I'm focusing on homosexuality this morning because I know of the tremendous flood tide of what this opens up for the morality in America. But I'm telling you. Hearing, there are those who will take what I say this morning and, and there are those who, who will call it uh, being bigoted or homophobic. And there are those who want to push this agenda on the church and, and will say uh, the church or the preacher or the believers of Christ who are against this practice and lifestyle need to repent of homophobia. That, that's what we hear. And, and when we hear that, that's really just an attempt to silence all the opposition. I tell you, 1 Corinthians 9 and 10, if you're still with me, say amen. amen. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? If I didn't read anymore, that's as plain as my hand before my face and your being here this morning. But I will read more because there is more. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. 
Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So if I were to preach against stealing, would I be guilty of thievophobic? If I preach against greedy people, would I be guilty of being a greedy-phobic? If I preach against adultery or fornication, would I be guilty of, of being an adultery-phobic? You see what I'm saying. You understand where I'm going here. And I say to you, this passage goes on to show us the liberating power of God from this kind of lifestyle. Let me take you another verse or two in, that, in this same 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And that is what some of you were. I'll back up now. Some of us, he says, were idol worshippers, adulterers, immoral, thieves, greedy, drunkard, abusive, cheating. But now you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. <laughs> Just because this, this, this Corinthian church, Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Wow. You know when I do this, what that means? It means nothing. There was homosexuality, adultery, fornication in the Corinthian church. There were drunkards and prostitutes in the Corinthian church. Some of the Corinthian believers went to church in the first service on Sunday. And later on in the day they went to the pagan prostitute temples. Because under the pagan prostitute temples you could go to church and there would be, there would be prostitutes there. And you give an offering and you could, have, you could have sex in the name of their God. And Paul had to write to those kind of people. And, and just because there was, there was sin in the Corinthian church, Paul didn't say, why don't you start a small group in the church of homosexuals and lesbians? Did he say that? No. He commended them for being repentant and giving it to God. All of us come here this morning looking our best. Well, at least most of us. Man, we, we sometimes get settled in our chair, and if the song ain't right, we ain't shoot, man. If, 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 if someone, we, get, we look at the, the, the building or the where we sit or the music or somebody else, and we, we tend to get our inertia for worship from, from that. That ain't, that ain't that's what it's about. I don't care where you sit, where you park, where you are, we get our inertia, our energy, our fire from pure Worship to God. And, and we come here, boy, and, and man, if, if God put our CD or DVD on the, in the projectors and showed our past stuff, we'd crawl under the chair. Because such were some of us before Jesus found us. And we clean up and we wash up and we look good. And I'm thankful that God's not running my DVD. Come on, somebody say amen. I have been washed. I have been sanctified. I have been justified. I'm not everything I want to be yet, but thank God I am not what I was. You ought to thank God that God has forgiven your sins and buried them in the sea of forgiveness and hung a no fish inside where He buried your sin. Somebody ought to praise Him. Uh, we come to church sometime, we and me too, me too, looking like right down our nose, like, bless God, look at who I am. I'm, I'm some good stuff here. And sometimes we, we've been in this way so long that we get irritated if we sing the chorus one more time. We get it irritated. Somebody step out in the aisle and do a little nothing and nothing at all. Get irritated with somebody else who might praise a little louder, forgetting that we were once one of those who my mother and father couldn't fix us. Our grandmother couldn't fix us. Jail couldn't fix us. Rehab couldn't fix us. But the Holy Ghost convicted us one day and night and brought us to a place and washed our sins away. And now our slate is clean. Our record is clear. God pushed the elite button and nobody knows our garbage. Thank God for that. Somebody praise Him with a hand clap. 
Yeah. Yeah. Come on and pray. <laughs> My Lord, help us. Oh, God. You know, here's a word. This issue of, of homosexuality speaks against God's order in the family. And this verse, among others, qualified. I preach again. I preach like I do today because I want to defend the family. And the Bible calls the family, Matthew 19, 4 and 5. And he answered and said to them, have you not read and have you not? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning? Male. Made them male and female. And he said, for this reason. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This, this homosexuality, same-sex gay marriage, then takes what God defines as the family. Husband, wife, procreating children. And opens it up wide open for all kinds of other possible unions under the guise of equality and political correctness and social justice. We used to sit around thinking, not in my lifetime, we'd be here today. And here we are. So, what is to say later on that if another state, another group rises up and says, you know what, being married to one man, being a man is not enough. I I want permission to marry two other men. You don't have to be a Ph.D. or a high school graduate or whatever to think. Just just common sense. What is for two lesbians to say? Uh, it's, it's, uh, we feel that we are uh, being uh, persecuted, uh, being treated unfair. We want to enter two more people into our union. The possibilities are numerous for other kinds of union other than the Word of God. What is there to say for a man to say, I'm 30 years old, but I, I want to marry this 14-year-old boy. And have whatever I want to do is my business. I, I, I'm telling you. I, I'm, saying, I'm saying to you. That God said, male, female, man, woman, marriage, family. You know, you, you know, I, I'm not here just trying to fabricate stuff. You see it and hear it all the time. Okay? You know that the human anatomy, the sexual reproductive system that God has put in human anatomy for procreation is consistent with the knowledge that it, a man, woman, marriage, Produce a family. Yeah? I'm not going to put a whole lot of points on the board here. I'm, I'm, just trying, I'm, I'm making them right now, telling you. Okay? God intended, He says, homosexuality violates His covenant of marriage. It violates His plan for procreation, having children. Two males cannot have a baby, two females cannot have a baby. They can recruit, but they can't reproduce. And, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm wanting you to understand this morning. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just, I want you to understand, God, help us. If all you got in your mind is Golden Corral and old Charlie, and that's all you're thinking about, you in a different world. God, help us. Okay? I know, you know, our, our problem in America is that we are educated beyond the level of our obedience. Nobody said anything, so you had an atheist woman take prayers and Bible reading out of school. Nobody said anything, so we had Roe versus Wade. Or some people said, and, and we're wondering why our world is like it is. And some of we Christians, when we hear the coming of the rapture, we think we ought to buy some canned goods and get our automatic rifle and hide in a hole someplace and wait for the rapture. God never said that. You are salt. You are light. You are agents of change in this world. And I don't care whether you have a pulpit or whether you have a carpool or whether you have a break room or whether you just have your family. You ought to know the truth and teach the truth and promote the truth. And God will bless you. Oh, my. Listen to me. (laughs) Don't mean nothing. God meant for little boys to have a mommy. And he meant for little girls to have a daddy. 
There's something that little boys don't get from a daddy that a mommy cannot give in God's economy. And there's some things that little girls don't get from a mommy that a daddy can't give. Oh, help me preach. God meant for the children. God meant for, for, for little girls to have a, a daddy love them and nurture them so that they go looking for love in the wrong places with the wrong experience. God instituted this fabric of the family. When God saw fit to destroy the world in the days of Noah, and I won't tarry there, but he populated the ark with Adam, with, with Noah and his wife, his sons and their spouses. He populated the ark with male and female animals. Give me a witness, somebody. Okay, because he intended that the world would be, even though it was judged by the flood because of the sin of the world. After 40 days of rain and after the water subsided, God said, open the door. And now you, Noah, and your family, go replenish, procreate. You, Anna Okotobo, go procreate. That's God's plan for the perpetuation of the human race until Jesus comes. And so, I, I, I hear this argument. And I'm going to try to wrap this up. I hear this argument that... Well, homosexuals can preach, teach, counsel, love, and minister in the name of Jesus as well as any heterosexual. I, I hear that. And you know what? They can. Of course they can. But so can adulterers, fornicators, child molesters, and wife abusers. All sorts of people can quote-unquote do ministry. Jesus said that there would be many false prophets in the last days. But Jesus, when you look at what Jesus called us to, He didn't call us to ministry as He called us to simply follow Him. Listen to this now. I want you to get this because I want you to be informed, okay? The test is not going to be one's capacity to do ministry, but rather one's obedience to the Word of God. I'm hurrying. Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. Jot it down so you can share, with it, share it later with, it, with somebody else who needs to know this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Give me a witness. But only those who do, who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, the judgment day, the day we stand before God. Many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. We, we get this argument about, about inclusiveness, about we should be inclusive. The church should be inclusive. And therefore, we should allow different groups and different viewpoints and different talents and abilities. And I'm all about involving different groups, different talents, different abilities as they walk under the covering of thus saith the word of God. But the inclusiveness that the agenda of sin promotes, you can come on, praise team, is an inclusiveness that says, let me live like I want to, let me do like I want to, let me have my own standards, but I still want visibility in the church, I still want a voice in the church, I still want my own place, and don't ruffle any feathers. Still with me, everybody? Look here this minute. Right did, you, did you notice that Jesus really didn't preach inclusiveness. He said, I'm Jesus, but I came to bring a sword. There won't be much peace in some of the things I have to say. And I'm not just trying to be mean, because as the flesh yearns for other things, and the spirit yearns to be like me, there are going to be some conflicts you have, and some of that inclusiveness stuff ain't going to work. The Word of God says, Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and, and I will... Bless you. And, and I, I'm saying to you this morning, please, in our final moments, go to Second Peter, please. After the book of Hebrews, unless they moved it, Second Peter chapter 3. Oh, blessed Jesus. Hey, this ain't going to be a funeral, I guarantee you. We're going to finish up good. <laughs> but we, we need to stop a while and think some things, don't we? Can I get a witness? My, 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 my. They must have moved it. I hadn't found it yet. 
2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Stand after you found it. Stand after you found it. I bless you, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. Amen, church. Mm. Are you you there? Say amen. Amen. Oh, Holy Ghost. Every intercessor just in your spirit pray. Don't don't leave me unless you really have an emergency. And and I, I know I've gone on, but this is worth the transformation they can produce. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5. For this they willingly forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that existed perished. I told you about that. Being flooded with water. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Look at me just a minute. God said, I give the world and humanity a second chance. And here they are again. I've blown it. Stepped over the cross, the blood of my son, and choose to live in violation of my word. So now the world awaits judgment. Look, look at this. But beloved, verse 8. Do not forget that this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. That's what I want to get to, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Give me an amen. Okay, I'm going to pray. The only reason we're not raptured yet, or you and I are not dead, because the devil wants to kill us, is because God's keeping us. God's keeping us. The only reason the, the trumpet hadn't sounded and we've been raptured, because God is patient, patient, patient. Now you have a decision. I have a decision. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. I, I, I pray intercessors. Pray altar workers. Pray Christians. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that you just, just, just let your word produce fruit. Now, although this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I focused on this particular lifestyle and this particular sin of homosexuality, the Lord says, He's not willing that you should perish. Whatever you are practicing and whomever with, Oh, if it's personal and private, but it still grieves God and sin today, the Lord wants to change it. So in Jesus' name, Pastor, I need Jesus as my Savior. In my flesh, and my own self, I am doing some things that in myself I cannot resist. I keep going back to it, and I need to be forgiven. I need to be changed. I need a new start, and I'm willing to confess my need for Christ today. I will not embarrass you, and I will not single you out. But you say, I do not want to die in my sins. Now I know the truth. I want to turn around. I want God's help. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Raise your hands, and I'll give you ten seconds to do it. And that's all the time I will have. One, two. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up high, please. Thank you. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Put them down. Put them down. Everybody in the house, including those who raise your hands, lift your hands to Jesus like you're reaching up to touch him with both hands. And everybody, especially those who raise their hands to be saved, repeat this prayer after me. But everybody else, repeat it after me. I have you repeat it out loud with them because it encourages them. Here we go. Everybody begin. Lord Jesus, thank you. For reminding me of your love for me. I today confess that I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I give myself to you. I ask you today to wash away all my sins. Come into my life. Make me your new creation. I believe that you, Jesus... You are the Son of God. You died in my place. You are my Savior. Today I confess you as Lord. Give me, Lord, a new start. Empty me of everything that's like the world and the devil and the flesh. And fill me with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And your saving grace. Beginning today, Lord, write my name in your holy book. I thank you, Jesus, for a second chance. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you believe he's done it, give him praise. Go ahead and sing it for us, my brother. Come on, give him some praise, everybody. Everybody, come on. Thank you. In this place. Thank you. you I'll worship for a moment. We're going to go in a minute, but lift your hands. And give him some thanks. to this word this week you will be challenged this day you might be challenged with this subject of homosexuality and if we are not vocal in a right way in a proper way we are going to be held accountable by the Lord so I want you and not just the sin of homosexuality but sin of any kind I want you this morning before you leave with me in another 30 seconds to say God let me not resist the opportunity to be salt and light about your truth. Raise your hands and rededicate yourself to that commitment. Pray right now. And, and some of you know right now, people who are living in sin, I ask you right now to ask God for divine appointment with them in love. Go ahead right now. It could be a child. It could be a grandson. It could be a, a companion on a, a, on a job. Some, all of us know somebody who needs transformation and ask God to give you boldness. Father, I raise my hands with them. Oh God, help us not to hide when we should be lights. Help us not to be silent when we should be verbal. Help us not to be cowards when we should be Christians, oh God. Father, I pray that the church would move on like a conquering mighty army of conviction and love. God, I pray today that, that we, would, we would be empowered by the Holy Ghost. These are the last days. And so we ask you that we not be ashamed of the cross. Sing that again before the, and as they go. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. For you are here. Yeah. Yeah.